BBC Gardeners World Live is back at the NEC in Birmingham. It is hot, hot, hot down here. We're on until Sunday. If you're coming down, remember to bring sun cream and plenty of water. And I'm delighted that joining me in our nice and cool studio in Hall 19 is the brilliant Stephanie Hafferty. Stephanie, lovely to see you. You've already been busy this morning uh, on, on stage, haven't you? Yes, I've just um, come off the We Grow stage where I've been talking about no-dig gardening in this lovely sunshine. <laughs> now, no-dig gardening uh, fascinates me. I've, I've been through your website. I know what it's all about, but explain. So no-dig gardening is essentially a way of growing really good food, plants, uh, year-round with soil as key. And essentially, rather than digging over the soil every winter, as we were taught back in the day, is what you do, you just let nature work with you and just put a little bit of mulch on the garden every year and let the soil life incorporate it. Now, did that come about because of your interest in that that sort of um, uh, sustainability in the garden or because you're a bit of a lazy gardener? (laughs) No, it was actually, um, I'm a bit of a hippie gardener. (laughs) So years ago, I mean, I've been growing my own food since I was 17. And um, I was digging, obviously, because that's what Jeff Hamilton did and had his book. But then I heard about this, I I heard about it through permaculture when I'd be going to green festivals wearing a rainbow dress with my young children. Mm -hmm. And um, as I was growing food, I just found more and more about this. And then about 15 years ago, I started working on a no-dig market garden and that really um, taught me how to grow using no-dig. Do you own a spade? Yes, I have several, actually. (laughs) The the funny thing is, through my work, I'm I'm a garden writer. um, And so sometimes I work as a judge in various categories. And one of the categories I had one year was garden tools. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to judge a digging spade and a border fork. But fortunately, I had trees to plant. Ah, And you need a digging spade uh, for that. Fair enough, fair enough. We'll we'll let you off. Is there a... Is there a difference, therefore, in the crop that you might get or the bloom that you might get or the growth that you would get from your technique uh, of gardening? Um, Yes, it's um, more abundant, essentially. I mean, one of the key things is particularly the weather we're having at the moment is not digging your soil helps preserve the soil life. So the soil ecology remains exactly as it should be for the soil to thrive Mm. and the mycorrhizal fungi networks remain intact and this helps to keep water moisture in the ground so no dig gardens require less watering which is ideal during long hot periods so for sure you know obviously if you're planting new transplants out Mm. they're going to need watering because they're babies and they haven't got their root systems established Mm. um but it's, it's a very abundant way of growing. Ah, okay. Now, I know one of the other things you're interested in is the whole sort of nature, natural, um, uh, wildlife, bees, flora, fauna, all that sort of stuff. But it, it, it isn't this, I was going to say trendy, but that's not fair, an increasingly important area of sustainability, isn't it? And the, the more holistic approach to gardening. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mind it being called trendy because it is, but also um, the, the problem with trends is it can be seen as 
this is this year's marketing thing and then it's gone. Um, I think we've got much more of an awareness and a lot of that is because of um, scientific research. So when I started No Dig Gardening 15 years ago, I knew I could see it was a really good way of growing. It felt much kinder, but I was more thinking you're not chopping up wiggly worms, you know, by leaving the soil. And now through um, our greater knowledge of soil biology and the powerful microscopes we have now and more knowledge about the role of fungi, particularly mycorrhizal fungi, um, we now realise, know how beneficial it is not just for our own gardens but for the planet to work with soil and preserve soil and save mm. soil. And, you know, we think of, um, like, biodiversity. That's very much a visual thing. There's lots of gardens here with biodiversity plants to encourage pollinators but also soil biodiversity is so important and now thanks to science and scientific research we can see this soil biology Mm. actually one of my children is doing a master's degree in mycorrhizal fungi you know it's well researched okay um i've I've spoken to a a couple of people this um year about pesticides and uh i'm a beekeeper so neonicotinoids are are, are very much on uh, on my uh, agenda um and some of the sort of natural remedies if you like for keeping things off so you know you might use coffee grounds or or um orange peel and things like that is there a place for um pesticides no i don't believe i think We can see the harm it's doing, and I also include so-called natural pesticides in that. So um, on social media, there's often these natural aphid killers, which is eco-washing up liquid and various other things. It's still an indiscriminate killer. So for sure, it's going to kill the aphids, but it's also going to kill beneficial predators, larvae of ladybirds, for example. It's going to kill soil life when it comes into contact with soil. It's going to harm bees if bees are visiting those plants. So the, the, there are deterrents. You know, If you put, leave garlic about, that can disguise the smell of things. That's different. That's not harming anything. But these so-called ecological sprays and obviously the manufactured ones... It's just creating a complete imbalance and we need to get a good balance. So when I moved to my garden in March 21, I'd lived in Somerset for 20 years before then, and I had a removal van with all of the family stuff in, our furniture, and then I had like a half removal van trailer with my garden in. And uh, some of the things I was bringing with me were particular weeds, because I looked at my house in November, I didn't know what I'd have there in rural Wales where I now live certain weeds because I know that they bring in beneficial predators and that is what we need to be looking for is a balance between predators and prey and we talk a lot about pollinators but not enough I think about predators and predators can be cute you know Um, baby um, birds are little predators because they're eating our aphids and the misunderstood wasp Oh, I love wasps. Do this. I, I didn't realise there were so many different types of wasp in the garden, all pollinating. Yeah, it's something like eight or 9,000 just in the UK. And the ones we mostly see are the social wasps, the ones that want to come and help us out with our beer. But, and they are, you know, if you've got cabbage white butterflies, 
that's food to them. So they can fly down, pick up the caterpillars, fly off and they cut them up and feed them to their larvae or eat them themselves. You mentioned the W word, weeds. Yes. And there's been a lot of chat uh, over the spring about how we should be embracing weeds in our garden, not see them as weeds, be nice to slugs and snails. <laughs> and do you know what? It's divided opinion, hasn't I, it? I can imagine. So I do, I find a balance with this. So I have my vegetable beds and I reduce habitat for slugs, snails and woodlice who are certainly a crucial part of our ecosystem. They're food for predators um, and the food chain and they're crucial uh, nutrient recyclers. Um, If we didn't have these creatures, we'd all be wading through decaying matter. But I don't want them on my veg bed. So I've got wild areas where the weeds can grow and I create habitats for slugs and woodlice and snails. Um, Did you know, by the way, rats are really good um, snail eaters? Ah, I found that out quite. Every day is a learning day, <laughs> I know. isn't it? Goodness I was really. amazed. So you know, so even like we think of thrushes eating snails, rats mm. do. So that's hooray for rats, but not in my house. And uh, so I don't have them on the veg beds, mm. and I do weed things out. So I grow a lot of dandelions, but I, they they grow in the gravelly bits, they grow in the wild areas, they grow in the lawn. But I don't want them in my veg beds because I'm trying to produce food for my family for the year and you know if the bed gets taken over with weeds or everything's eaten by slugs then I'm missing out on food and you know yeah I can go and buy it from the shop but at the moment you know the prices are going up every five minutes it's um, it would defeat the object absolutely now the good news is of course that entry to BBC Gardeners World Live here at the NEC also gets people into BBC Good Food Show Summer. What a yeah. lovely link, because you mentioned food. All the, um, you cook, uh, you grow your own veg, mm. um, and presumably you cook and eat them. Are you a good cook? Um, well, I've worked as a chef, so uh, oh. not trained, but um, a, a course chef. So, yeah, I, I'm actually, my other hat is I'm a food writer. Um, I'm a member of the Guild of Food Writers, as well as the Garden Media Guild. And, um, so, and I've written a book of... Uh, recipes which are entirely almost things that you can grow on an allotment in the UK. What's the book called? The Creative Kitchen. So um, it's got, you know, the odd thing like black pepper, I don't grow that, but everything else is stuff you can grow. So I write mostly plant-based recipes, but that is because I grow a lot of plants. Mm. Um, Now, just finally, um, lots to see here at the show, the floral marquee, the borders, the show gardens, uh, uh, all of the the presenters from BBC Gardeners World Live, experts like yourself. Have you had a chance to have uh, a walk round and have a look at some of the gardens? Yes, I got in extra early this morning to have a good look round. I was here with the the setter-uppers practice and yeah, it's really um, inspiring seeing all the different kinds of gardens. I particularly enjoy seeing gardens which are not like what I do because it's lovely seeing how other people grow and I think the beautiful borders are particularly exciting just because they are um, 
small community groups and people like that are doing them so it's an interesting perspective mm. it's not big budget gardening mm. so it's a lovely balance here and then you've got the really glamorous show gardens too <laughs> so lots of people coming to the show may be first-time gardeners or, or new to the world of gardening they will be looking for inspiration here they'll go home and they'll fold their arms get a cup of tea and look at their own garden and think goodness me where do i start what advice would you give them small start small um, start on a realistic scale and do one small area really well and that can be a source of joy and then you can go from there and just get bigger and bigger so Mike I grow on just under half an acre and I started with one bed and got that set up and then made the next absolutely marvellous Stephanie lovely to catch up with you thank you for coming into the studio to see us if you want to know more about how to have a garden and grow things without digging sounds perfect to me then nodighome.com I think is the website is that right Stephanie fantastic enjoy the rest of the show thank you